WeVibe is a world leader in ultra-premium, sensual lifestyle products. The original WeVibe was the first adult pleasure product designed specifically for couples to be worn during sex and quickly became the fastest-selling adult pleasure product of its type. Today, WeVibe is one of the market leaders in sensual and pleasure products designed for couples. Uh, for myself, I have the WeVibe Sync, and it's nice because it has external clitoral stimulation and internal G-spot stimulation. It's discreet, quiet, and it can be worn anywhere. It can be used um, during sex with a partner, you can use it for solo play, or it can be controlled via the remote, or even an app. So whether your partner is you know, across the table from you, or in another state, uh, there are so many ways to play with this, which makes it really fun. And it is really great quality as well. Highly recommend if you're looking to cut for something to spice up your sex life, this is the product that I would recommend. Visit the link in this week's episode description to browse WeVibe's collection of couple products, Kegel exercisers, anal plugs, and more. Hello, friends, and welcome to another episode of Empowered Authenticity, the podcast. I'm your host, Kelly Chopa. Oh, it's been a week. It has been a week. She's been a busy bitch. She always is. Uh, but it's all good. Uh, once again, we have um, a net positive week, which is fantastic. Um, yesterday, it was like, oof, I, man, back to back. I helped my friend move, which uh, was amazing, except for the part where about, you know, 15 minutes in, I almost passed out because I didn't drink enough water. So this is your friendly reminder from me to you to, to hydrate. If you think you have enough water, drink a little bit more. Because um, I, I took like a five minute break, I got some water in me, and then after that I was good to go. Um, so yeah, be careful out there. Uh, and then I, I had to go to the therapy, to my therapy appointment. And <clears throat> I came home, I had just enough time to, to shower and, and get where I needed to go. You know, get a little bit of, to snack on before that. And uh, came home, thought to myself, why does it smell like vinegar in my home? And uh, I use, I use a, a, a floor cleaner that I make um, using vinegar as a base. So I thought perhaps that the cats had gotten into the cabinets, as they sometimes do, and had knocked over um, my cleaning supplies. That was not the case. I turned on the light and quickly found out that uh, somebody, who shall remain nameless, but probably either Ridley or Victor, um, <laughs> had knocked over my glass bottle of um, almost full white wine vinegar. So there were shattered glass all over my kitchen, and uh, there was also vinegar all over the kitchen. and. Uh, I don't know if you know how the inside of a Subway restaurant smells, but that is exactly how my apartment smelled. Like, I did not realize how vinegary that store smelled. But you know what? I started thinking about it and really it makes sense. Like, they have, like, the oil and vinegar that they put on the sandwiches. They have pickles. They have, um, you know, the, the pickled jalapenos. So, I mean, it really makes sense now to me why it smells like vinegar, but it's not the smell that I want in my apartment. But alas, here we are. Um, so I got all that cleaned up and 
made sure that nobody was hurt. And uh, yeah, that was that was an interesting surprise to come home to. Would not recommend it. Uh, went to my therapy session. Uh, stopped at Jimmy John's on my way back because I was starving. Um, had a lovely little sandwich. I also went to the bank. And I have a real bone to pick with the banks. Because... It was a couple of years ago and, you know, I'm one of those people where, like, I collect my change and put it in a jar and then when I get, you know, five bucks or whatever, I go and, and turn it in. And uh, so a couple of years ago, I went to the bank with my baggie full of change and they said, oh, no, no, we don't have a change counter. So you're going to have to roll all this yourself. And I was pissed. Because I'm like, what? You want, you want me to do your job for you? Am I getting an hourly wage? But I did it. They sent me home with some rolls. I, I rolled my change. Uh, you're goddamn right. I shorted them a little bit because, like, I'm taking out, you know, my cut. Because I, I worked hard to do this. So, you know, it's a roll of 50 cent pennies. You're getting 48 cents. All right? Taking a little off the top watching a lot of claws lately so I know how to do that so I go I go yesterday to uh, to the bank and I have my my pre-rolled dimes so that's five dollars and I mean I wait for like five minutes because like they're busy helping people and like that's not a problem like whatever you know we're all busy we all got shit to do and then I finally get up there and I say I think this should be pretty easy. I just want to get cash for this roll of dimes. And the teller looks at me and says, oh, we don't do that unless you have an account with us. What? What? You are a bank, sis. You are a bank. <laughs> like... I cannot, I cannot, Ooh. I, I was stunned. I was like, I am, I am giving you currency and asking for that same amount of currency back. So I do not, I do not understand. My brain cannot compute. Uh, fortunately, I did have an account there. I'd forgotten that I had an account there because I keep meaning to close it and I keep forgetting. Um, but now it's like, fuck, I gotta leave this account open just so that way I can go in and turn in my fucking pre-rolled change. Like, fuck me sideways. So, uh, yeah. If, uh, if you know a bank <laughs> that, one, has a change counter, that would be, that would be prime, okay? Would love that. Uh, but if you at least know of a bank that will take your, your pre-rolled change and give you cash without needing an account... I want to hear it. Please, please let me know. Because this is absurdities, okay? Absurdities. Anywho. <laughs> oh, oh, I was so riled up. But good news, then we went to a dog park. Uh, my friend and I went to the dog park. We went for a, a lovely walk. Had a, had a very nice talk. And, um, you know, I enjoy spending time with my friends. And her doggo is adorable. He got into um, a puddle was absolutely filthy then we lost him and uh he came back and had uh dirt all over his face so uh homeboy was a mess 
but I saw the cutest little corgi and oh my god her name was Olive and I love corgis so much um someday I'm going to have two corgis uh one named Edison which I will call Eddie for short and another called Mordecai um because I think that would really like round out my perfect little my perfect little fur family um but you know gotta gotta make that bank first uh also should probably get out of an apartment that uh, only allows two pets because i am at the max anyway we've got a really great episode for you today uh i think it's really important to to share perspectives that are different from my own and to you know share different ways of doing things and so you're going to hear in this interview, um, you know, my guest and I have very different styles of coaching. And that doesn't have to be a bad thing because my style of coaching might be great for somebody and not so great for somebody else um, and vice versa. So that's that's kind of the beauty of working with um, coaches is that if you don't if you don't mix with one, you can you can change. You can find a different one. Um, that's why I offer free 30-minute chemistry sessions uh, for every new client because I, you know, obviously, like, I need to make money to survive just like all of us out here, but, you know, really the the whole point of this is I want to help people and if I don't feel like I can help you or if you don't feel like I can help you or if we're just not going to vibe, that's something that we need to know because, you know, if we don't play ball well, then I'm not going to be able to to do what's best for you and that's just not fair um so if you've been on the fence and you're just like ah i don't know kelly seems a little wacky or i want to do this but you know i'm not sure that we're gonna get along like just send me a dm or uh go to my website empoweredauthenticity.net and fill out my uh my request form and we'll see you know we'll see what what we're working with and if we get along fantastic and if we don't that's cool too Um, And I just want to point out that you can also do this with therapists and doctors, um, really anybody that you work with. Like, don't think that you just have to work with a certain person. I know with with insurance, you know, you are a little bit more limited, but that's also kind of the beautiful thing about coaching. And I'm certainly not suggesting that uh, you do coaching in place of um, working with a working with a therapist, somebody who's licensed um, as a mental health practitioner. Uh, but it can be it can be a good way to kind of supplement. Um, you know, a lot of times it's hard to get into a therapist's office because there's such a backlog. And so coaching can be a great opportunity to kind of fill in that gap while you're while you're waiting. Um, but anyways, today's guest um, is so interesting. And uh, we met uh, via Reddit and we beca- we become really good friends. Uh, we bounce a lot of ideas off of each other, and um, he's a really great person. Um, like I said, his his coaching style is very different from mine, um, and that's not a bad thing. He is a strong man. So I'm not talking about, like, putting on the teeny tiny little speedos and, like, you know, doing the poses and lotioning up and stuff. Like, no shade to that. Like, do your thing, boo. Uh but this man is literally like pulling semis. Like he's pulling semis. He's like, I don't even remember how much he said. He was like, 
lifting and, and bench pressing, but like it's it's absurd. Like his his arms are like two of my thighs, and I've got some thick thighs. Okay, like she a thick bitch, and this guy is just amazing. It's amazing. Um, so we talk a lot about like just just what it takes to have that kind of strength and um you know he goes over kind of his training and how he views what he does um so yeah it's a really it's a really interesting conversation and i love that we have kind of different perspectives uh so i really hope that you enjoy it um if you've not yet i i encourage you to go to my instagram and look at the picture i posted because it's fucking unbelievable without further ado please welcome my friend greg Oris. thank you for joining me today uh as always super excited to talk to you i appreciate um, it yes yes uh so greg i think that you are a very interesting person for a number of reasons um but something that i feel like a lot of people don't know about and i sure shit don't know a whole fuck of a lot about is uh being a strong man so like first i want to know is how how the fuck did you get started in this like this is like i feel like a very niche thing so tell me about it so i uh i went to college to play football and to throw for my college's track team and I had a lot of concussions and it severely fucked with my brain to the point where if I get hit in the head again, I could die. And, uh, so I got put out of football and then I wasn't smart enough to be on the track team. I couldn't keep a solid GPA because for one, because of my concussions, but for two, I'm just not very book smart. And I've always struggled with memorization and stuff like that. So I wasn't very good at that. And so that was 2009, 2010 was my freshman year. I don't remember my first semester, my freshman year of college because of my brain injuries. And 2010, 2011, I didn't do anything. 2011 to 2012, I wasn't doing anything. And March of 2012, I was sitting on the couch with my roommate, drinking beer, eating Cheetos, and we were watching The World's Strongest Man. And Brian Shaw from Colorado won that year. And I looked at the TV and I thought to myself, I can compete with those guys. And so I went to the gym the next day and started competing. I had my first competition Three four months to the day, or three months to the day that I started lifting, and then I had my second one four months to the day after I started lifting. It's that sounds like really quick. Yeah, it. I knew if I didn't do it immediately, I wasn't going to stick with it. And being a strong man has led to so many amazing opportunities in my life, and it has given me chances that I never in a million years would have expected to have I have so many questions Uh, (laughs) um so I I have questions that are both about like 
how how you have felt throughout your journey and also about everything that goes along with with the strongman things um so i know you said that you weren't super like book smart and you didn't really do great in like uh, um school how like how did you cope with that like were there any was there anybody who was trying to assist you to do better or was it something where you were just like i just this is not for me no um school like i said was always a struggle um my senior year i got a 4.0 gpa in high school because it was a bird course i didn't do anything (laughs) i think i had four three four free periods it was the most useless senior year of anybody's life and then i go to college and i actually had to do homework and going from a school that had standards-based grading to college where you actually have to do things that was a culture shock. That was hard for me to deal with. And my problem is <clears throat> I can remember stuff very well, but I have to have some distance between when I learn it and when I remember it because I have really good recall, just not instant recall. So tests, I have severe test anxiety. I can't do very well with tests. And being in strongman actually coincided well with my degree because I got a degree in exercise science Mm -hmm. and I got a minor in sports psychology. So it, it worked out well that I could write my own plans and I knew what to do and when to do it, which has helped my career tremendously, especially as a personal trainer, because I know where, to begin people in different aspects of their progress. Mm -hmm. And that has been an outstanding benefit. But the people that have helped me along the way, there haven't been any. Uh, Most of the people, actually, probably 90% of the people that I know, they are constantly, well, you're going to get hurt. When you're 50, you're not going to be walking and, it's just the constant naysayers. And I have, I've gotten to the point that I can just kind of, Oh yeah, haha, you know, whatever. I just brush it off. It's no big deal, but I hear it 15, 20 times a day. So it's taken me a long time to be able to just brush it off. Yeah. And like, do you, are you able to like combat that at all? And like put it in a way that people understand that like you're doing something that you love and like they don't have the authority to pass a judgment on it especially because like i said i feel like so many people don't know fucking jack shit about it exactly um the way that i justify it to people because i in my day job i'm a truck driver i'm in the construction industry i haul heavy equipment and the way that i justify it to people is it's mostly these old guys that are telling me you're not going to be able to walk. You're going to be in a wheelchair whatever. And I tell them once they get done with their rambling, I'm like, okay, here's the deal. Think of it this way. You're 65 years old. Your hands don't work. Your legs don't work. You can barely walk. And what have you done with your life? You've built a business. Awesome. Congratulations. You've built multiple houses. Cool. That's admirable. 
if I can be the strongest man in the world once and not be able to walk when I'm 50, my life will be a success. Yeah, I think that's a great way to look at it. Um, and I, uh, you know, my point of view on everything, um, and I, I think it's because, like, you know, I experienced the loss of my dad, and he he died of, of oral cancer um, at 51 years old, right? Yeah, 51, because he'll be, he would have been 53 this year. Yeah. Um, and so he had oral cancer. He did not smoke. He did not chew. He very rarely drank, like, to the point where, like, I never even, like, had a beer with my dad. Like, so he did not meet any of the the usual criteria for exactly. getting the specific type of cancer. But he's dead. And so, like, I I think to myself a lot, like, why don't I just try to do this thing? Like, exactly. you know, it's it might be scary and it might be dangerous and it it might, you know, change my life forever. But I I just think about, you know, I could get hit by a bus yeah. walking down the street tomorrow. I could drop dead from choking on a tortilla chip, which has happened to me a couple of times. But <laughs> but it's like I feel like you're given this magnificent gift. And as long as you are doing something that you love, like you just you don't know how much how much time you have. And so exactly. I love I love that perspective. Yeah. And when I so I started training in March of 2012, when I went back to school in August of 2012, a girlfriend of mine called me up because I went to a super small school. There was twenty five hundred people in the entire school mm -hmm. and a girlfriend of mine called me up. She goes, hey, um, can you bring me a coffee to the club sports fair? I'm exhausted. We were out drinking the night before. I was like, cool, I'll be right there. So I run her over a coffee and I show up and I totally forgot she was a cheerleader. So I walk up and I get accosted by 10 cheerleaders. They're like, you're a massive human. You should try this. And I thought about it for a day or two and I thought, you know what? What's the worst that's going to happen? I don't like it and I don't go back. Mm -hmm. And I loved it. And so I was... I was the captain of my college cheerleading team for three years. That's awesome. So how, it, like I said, it led to some amazing opportunities. Yeah. How did uh, people respond to the fact that you were a, a cheerleader? And not just a cheerleader, but obviously a fucking good one if you're the goddamn captain. Yeah. Um, you know, it was... It, I call it the dichotomy of male cheerleading because... When you're a male cheerleader, just like when you're a wrestler, everybody makes fun of you for being gay. Mm -hmm. Not me. Sorry. Um, but as soon as I put it in perspective, okay, you know, I got to go to Daytona, Florida for a week during spring break with 150,000 college cheerleaders. 5% of those were men. 5% of that 5% were straight. Mm-hmm. And then people change their attitude pretty quickly. <laughs> yeah, it's... And I feel like, I mean, that requires some serious strength. Yeah. Right? It, Especially, uh, like, because, I, I mean, you're, like, throwing people around and shit, right? Yeah. It, uh... I didn't... I've always had respect for gymnasts and cheerleaders. I knew how hard they worked. Because I saw it in high school, my 
the girls that I went to high school with um, were multiple time state champions. They were phenomenal athletes. So I always had respect for them, but I never was around male cheerleaders. Mm-hmm. I was the first male cheerleader at my college in like 10 years. And so I showed up and didn't know what to expect. And that first night I got done, I could barely walk. Like it was rough. And I made the fatal mistake because I had to go, even though I didn't tumble, I had to go to tumbling practice every Sunday morning. And one morning my coach was like, hey, Greg, show me a cartwheel. Mind you, at the time I was about 290 pounds. So when I did a cartwheel, I landed and I had to jump up because I was afraid I was going to blow my knees out. Mm -hmm. and I didn't realize that it was a really good cartwheel. (laughs) And she goes, okay, it's time for you to learn how to stun (laughs) or tumble. And so that day I started learning how to do my standing backflip. And it took me two years to land it because I was so scared. And all the girls, they would always joke around. They're like, well, it's not that scary. Just throw it. I'm like, okay, let me put this in perspective. You're 115 pounds. If you land on your neck, it's, oh, I've got a sore neck. I'll be fine in a couple of days. If I land on my head, there's a good possibility I could die mm-hmm. because that's 290 pounds coming over not a very big neck. Yeah. And it took me a very long time to get over that. But the day I landed it was my senior homecoming performance in front of like 900 people. Oh, my God. That's insane. I think it was all adrenaline. Mm-hmm. That That's the only thing I can attribute it to. But it was cherry. Oh, that's so fucking cool. I, I mean, granted, I have not trained to do that shit. <laughs> but also, I'm like... <laughs> I'm not sure that I want to train to do that. Right. Like, I feel like if I had started doing gymnastics, like as a kid, which I think I was in gymnastics for like a year. It's it's kind of like soccer. Everybody does it for a little bit when they're when they're a kid. But you know what? I wanted to play soccer and my mom wouldn't let me. It was a real bummer. She only let me do softball, which I sucked at. Well, softball is hard, too. I well, I'm just not. um I'm not good at sports in general. I'm not overly competitive. So I'm, and I'm also um, like in a strange way, a bit of a perfectionist. So like anytime I would strike out, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm letting the team down. And I feel really, really badly about myself. Um, So I actually kind of loved it when they wouldn't play me and I would just sit on the bench. Oh yeah. (laughs) Uh, uh, But so, I mean, I think it's fair to say, like, you are a big man. Like, yeah. you're just a big dude. Yeah, I'm uh, 6'3", 345 pounds and 18% body fat. Yeah. So, I mean, you are you are big. Yeah. <laughs> like, and that's not a read. That's just a fact. Oh, yeah. And um, it's funny because I go to competitions and I'm tiny. Most of these guys are clocking in 6'6 six, six to 6'9". Six, 350 to 400 and i'm a i consider myself a big person Mm -hmm. when i show up to these shows i am not big by any stretch that was a culture shock wow what is is there like uh an average like body type uh in in your world not at all it's 
the beauty of strongman, anybody can do it. Mm -hmm. I've seen people that are short and stocky that can't do overhead press, but they're killer at Atlas stones. Whereas me with super long arms and average height, I am very good at Atlas stones, but I'm horrible at overhead press. What is an Atlas stone? Sorry, I cut you off. No, you're good. An Atlas stone is a concrete ball. It's literally just a concrete ball. And they, to keep the diameter down for the people with shorter arms, they fill them with lead balls and stuff like that to make them heavier and more dense. And uh, the biggest one I've done is 400 pounds. Holy fuck. (laughs) That's literally more than two of me. Yeah. Again, I have so many questions because I'm like, <laughs> this doesn't seem humanly possible. Tell me about <laughs> it. Uh, so it's, are you just like picking it up then or what What are you doing with it? So um, it either sits in front of a platform, sits in front of a bar, or you put it up on your shoulder, one of the three. Mm-hmm. Um the platform, they can all kind of go one way or another. You can either go for reps with a set weight or you can go for uh, different weights until you can't go anymore. So the one that I did that was 400 pounds, it was a 52-inch bar across. So I started at 350. So you pick it up, put it over the bar, 375 over 400 over 425 over 450 over and i got the 400 i couldn't get the 425 that was way beyond my control but that 420 or that 400 was the first time i'd ever touched a stone that big so being able to do it on a whim was amazing but with the platform again you can put it up on the platform roll it back down keep going or you can have a set and you go up Usually, as you go up in weight, you go down in height. Mm-hmm. Or with the shoulder, that one's usually one stone. You pick it up, put it on your shoulder, show control, set it down, go again. Damn. Yeah. I mean, that's just, that sounds intense as fuck. It's stupid. It hurts. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, you know... Have you have you always been like a, a relatively like bulky dude? Yeah, um, growing up in little league football, <laughs> so we had this program. Uh, if you had a red stripe on your helmet, you were over a certain weight, and you could only play lineman. So growing up, I was always a red striper. <laughs> I was never anything but a red striper, ever, and. I got bullied a lot growing up because I had glasses. Um, without my glasses, I'm actually legally blind. Do you wear and, contacts? Yeah. Same here. And uh, so I got bullied severely for being the fat kid with glasses that wasn't very athletic. Mm-hmm. And I took it upon myself to prove everybody wrong. And so I did ballet for nine years to be better for my other sports because I was a three-sport athlete since I was nine. I did track, football, and wrestling since I was nine. Mm -hmm. And 
I wanted to be the best. <clears throat> and that's where my competitive spirit comes from because I was always told that I couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. And I hated that. It, I genuinely, to my core, hate being told I can't. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's just one of those things that I internalize a lot. And like you said, you're a perfectionist. I am my own worst critic because if I fuck up a lift or I fuck up a competition, I dwell on it for months and it actually really messes with my mental state. And so recently um, I started taking CBD before my competitions Mm -hmm. and because the first event, I I always called it the first event scaries because I would be so scared. I would fuck the first event up and not have a chance of winning. Mm-hmm. So I started taking my CBD and I go into the first event and I have fun, which yeah. is completely unusual for me. I, I am not a fun athlete. I am very <laughs> serious. I'm very strict. And being able to enjoy is something completely foreign to me. And I love it. It's great. Yeah. Um, so I know you said that you were like bullied in high school how did that impact the relationship that you had with yourself and with your body? So this is getting a little deep. I, uh, when I was 10, I was diagnosed with clinical depression and anxiety. Mm-hmm. So I have dealt with it for the last 20 years. And growing up, nobody knew. I didn't talk about myself. I avoided talking about myself. And in my private life, I still do because my life is mine. And if I want to share it, that's on me. Mm -hmm. And so being bullied, actually, it motivated me to an extent. Because um, when I was 10, my grandpa called me a fat, useless little shit that was never going to amount to anything. Like two weeks after he took me to buy my first bra. And yeah, um... (laughs) and I haven't talked to that man in 20 years. (laughs) And uh, my goal is to prove him wrong. Mm -hmm. And to, like I said, to prove everybody else wrong. And to this day, I live in the town I was born and raised in, Mm -hmm. or I take that back. I live in the town I was raised in the, I grew up in the house. My mom was born and raised in, went to the same high school as my grandparents. Literally. I know, everybody in this valley and I do everything I can to avoid being recognized by people I went to school with because I genuinely don't care Mm -hmm. I mean when I graduated high school after wrestling and all that I was shaving my head I was completely bald um I was six one ish six two 260 pounds so I was a big kid Mm -hmm. but uh now, like I said, 6'3", 350, red and black ponytail. <laughs> I mean, and I don't wear glasses anymore, which it's people who ever question Superman not wearing glasses and wearing glasses if Clark Kent, uh, it works. Trust me, it does. <laughs> I can relate to that. Uh, I had... Uh, somebody that I worked with and it was somebody I didn't see every day but I do the same thing where it's like sometimes I wear glasses sometimes I wear contacts I have my hair up down whatever and I just look slightly different like and 
literally every time I saw this woman, she would introduce herself to me. Yep. And I'm like, bitch, I know who you are. <laughs> <laughs> but it was great. Funny story about that. I had my youth pastor in high school. His name was Pete. One of the greatest men I've ever met. I love that man. I would die for that man. He was my dad's youth pastor when he was uh, in middle school. That man has a Tom Selleck mustache. He's had it since the 60s. That's how I've always known that man. I've seen his high school yearbook and he had that mustache. <laughs> he showed up to a wrestling duel one day and he didn't have it. And I walked up and introduced myself. And he goes, Greg, I've known you since you were born. I was like, sorry, who are you? He goes, it's Pete. I was like, no, you are not you. <laughs> and he goes, no, I lost a bet to my son and had to shave. Oh, I was like, shit. no, don't ever do that again. That, no, I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's interesting how just like little things and like, oh. especially like, yeah, if you've never seen somebody like without their mustache or like without their hair or whatever, like it just exactly. looks completely different um so how often do you compete last year fucked a lot of things up mm -hmm. um i had 13 competitions get canceled last year wow this year i competed for america's strongest man in june i competed for Colorado's strongest man july 3rd and my next show is uh October 2nd, and I actually host a strongman competition this upcoming Saturday. So I don't get to compete in it, but I enjoy hosting it. It's fun. Yeah, that's awesome. So I try to compete five to six times a year, roughly, to give my body some break. Yeah. So uh, let's talk about the process. Like, what do you do and how far in advance do you start training for a competition? For the smaller level ones, like the one I did on July 2nd um, or July 3rd. That was my birthday. July 2nd was my birthday. <laughs> <laughs> um, for the smaller ones like that, I decided like a week in advance. I was like, you know what? I'm just going to do it. Okay. It was, it was going to be fun. It had a truck pull, which is my favorite event. But... Uh, can you can you describe up. a truck pull for us? Oh yeah, you uh, you hook a, or you put a harness on, you hook a chain to a truck, and you start running. What kind of truck? It, the biggest one you can find. <laughs> are we and, talking like like uh like Ford trucks or like semi trucks or like what are we what are we working with? Um, at this one we did in July, it was a uh, military deuce and a half. I don't know what that is, but it sounds big as fuck. It, it's a big truck. It weighs about fourteen thousand pounds. Jesus. <laughs> but because I like I said, it's my favorite event. I uh I walked up, I forgot to put my mouth guard in. I did it in my slippers and uh what? yeah, I forgot to put my tennis shoes on. And uh halfway through the run, I think I sent you that picture. I was smiling. <laughs> Truck pull is fun to me. I I've got very good cardio and I'm very quick for a guy my size. And I'm actually working on breaking the world record for truck pull right now. So truck pull is my jam. Let's put it that way. What is the world record? It is a 22,000 pound truck, 10 tons, 10 metric tons, a 22,000 pound truck, a hundred meters in under five minutes. Jesus. Without a rope. 
So you're not allowed to pull on anything. It's literally manpower. So without a rope, does, I'm assuming that just means like the harness and the chain? Well, you get that, but for the bigger trucks, they usually put a rope out attached to another vehicle so that you can pull on it and use your entire body. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't get that option. I have to use strictly my body weight. So it's 350 pounds versus 22,000 pounds. So needless to say, I do a shitload of cardio and squats, usually together. God damn. <laughs> <laughs> uh Okay, so, like, and I, I assume, too, because of your own personal goals of, like, wanting to uh, continue to be stronger and stronger, I assume, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, um, that, like, training for competitions is just kind of part of what you do every day. So do you need to do anything different necessarily? So there's a good saying that I like. It's that strongman or strong men and strong women never have an off season. And it's true because power lifters, they mostly compete through the summer. Crossfitters compete through the summer. Bodybuilders compete through the summer. Strong men, it, it never goes out of style to be strong. Mm-hmm. And because I'm strong year round is why I can just ju- jump into a competition out of the blue. Right. But Mostly what it comes down to is specifics. So I always do squats. I always do deadlifts. I always do overhead press because there is some combination of those in every competition. Um, but then we do strong on Saturday that we work on the specific events. So for this one coming up in October, I'm 10 weeks out this or no. 12 weeks out this Saturday, I think. And no, 10 weeks, something like that. Um, it's an axle press and a keg press is the first event. A regular bar is inch and a quarter diameter. An axle is two inch diameter, which is extremely hard when you got little baby hands like I do. Um, and then a keg press, you pick up a keg and put it over your head. So I practice those a lot because, like I said, my overhead press is horrendous and having a new shoulder makes it even harder. So I have to push myself harder for those events. The rest of the events, I'm pretty confident in. I still work them, but I work on my weaknesses ahead of everything else. Mm-hmm. So, like I said, it it doesn't change the mode of training. It just changes the specifics of it. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I'm sure that everybody's curious. Uh, how much do you have to eat to be able to do all of this? Uh, <laughs> that is a very common question. And so my basal metabolic rate, my BMR, is 9,300 calories. So to wake up, get out of bed, and just sit on the couch... To survive, I need 9,300 calories. Holy shit. <laughs> it's horrendous. I can't afford it. I can't physically get my body to consume that amount of calories. And so I typically, I'll eat between five and six meals a day, roughly, with a couple of protein shakes thrown in there too, just to boost up my calorie intake. 
But on a good day, I take in about 9,000, okay. maybe 87, 8,800. Mm-hmm. And Trust me, if I could afford to eat what I need to eat, oh, I'd be all over it. I live to eat. That's just put it honestly. Oh, God, me too. Because to, after the workout that I just got done with, my, tomorrow I am going to eat all day nonstop. It's just going to be one of those days. I know it is. Yeah. And um, so I've, I've heard from others that when you uh, are building muscle, and you're you're really working your muscles that you tend to be hungrier. Oh. Do you do you find that to be the case? It's horrendous some days. Prime example, because so the way my workout schedule is placed right now, I do uh, chest and shoulders on Monday. Mm-hmm. On Tuesday, I do squats. On Wednesday, I have a rest day. On Thursday, I do back and core. Friday, I do squats. Saturday, I do accessories. So it's, I think I did the math. It's like 850 reps of different exercises. And then Sunday, I do truck pull. So Mm -hmm. I'm constantly working. I work six to seven days a week. Mm -hmm. But last Wednesday, I got done with squats on Tuesday. And Wednesday, I woke up for my first breakfast at 4.30. I had two packets of oatmeal. For my second breakfast, I had two packets of oatmeal with a cup of craisins and uh, two cups of mandarin oranges. And then about an hour after that, I had, I think it's like a 2,300 calorie protein shake. Uh, About an hour after that, I had a cup of cashews. An hour after that, I ate like a 2,000 calorie lunch. About an hour and a half after that, I ate... uh, a couple peanut butter and honey sandwiches. And then I had a protein shake right before I got off work. And then I got home and had dinner. And then before I went to bed, I had another protein shake and I was still hungry. Mm-hmm. Like it's just people always make fun of me when they come into my work. They're like, every time I come in here, you're eating. I'm like, well, I'm always eating. There's always food in my hand. There's always something in my hand to put in my body. Yeah, I mean, if you if you need it, you need it. Like that's exactly. just all there is to it. Um, so how how long do you typically spend working out in a day? Depending on the day uh, or how I'm feeling, rather, it is anywhere from two and a half to three hours. Mm-hmm. Um, tonight, on Tuesdays and Fridays, I do about four hundred and forty uh, squats of different variations. And tonight I felt really good. Everything was moving along pretty smooth. I started at three o'clock. I ended at four fifty, so just under two hours. But yeah, most of the time between two to three hours. If I'm feeling good and everything's moving and the weights are going well, I can be done relatively quickly. But if it's a shitty day, I'm feeling sluggish. Like yesterday's workout, it was 105 degrees. The visibility and the smoke around here is like 80%. It's horrendous. Mm-hmm. And it everything just felt slow. So my workout last night took almost four hours because I would get done with a set and I'd have to sit down for 15 minutes to catch my breath. Mm-hmm. And on top of that, I'm at 6,000 feet elevation. So I've just got a bunch of factors playing against what I'm trying to do, but I just got to do it. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Yeah. When you have a goal, it's exactly. like, and, and like you said, you're a competitive person. Like I'm not yeah. that competitive. So I'm like, well, whatever. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, so, and then you've started working with others, training them, helping them to, to reach their goals as well. How did you get started with that? So I've always known that I wanted to help people. Mm -hmm. Um, when I, before I graduated high school, I wanted to be a Marine and the week before, uh, or the, actually the day before Christmas break, my track coach came up to me and told me that he had some schools looking at me for track. Well, I looked at the list. There was only two schools that I preferred because I wanted to stay in state. I applied to both of them, got into both of them, which surprised the shit out of me, to be honest. And I decided to go to Western, which is where I graduated from. And before I went there, I knew I wanted to do some form of kinesiology mm -hmm. because I didn't want to go into business. I didn't want to go into finance, art, none of that. I It just never interested me. Mm -hmm. And so I went in with a focus on clinical exercise science, some form of statistical science. And because I'm not that smart, it didn't work out very well. So uh, I would I, like to stop you real quick because <laughs> you are smart. I, I think that everybody learns in different ways. That's and true. um and you might not be super strong in one area but like obviously like you're 30 years old you're fucking making moves and doing shit like you've <laughs> got to be smart to do that so uh, i have a lot of street smarts let's put it that way you you are smart you may not be <laughs> smart well you are smart but you may not be, <laughs> you know, you may not uh, be able to measure your intelligence in the exactly. same way as what the system wants wants yep. you to. So don't talk about my friend that way. You're very smart. <laughs> um, I wasn't smart enough for that track. You were smart enough. They just measured a different a different exactly. way. But um, so anyway, to, go on. I went to a health and fitness focus, and that gave me the tools to be a personal trainer. Mm -hmm. And so when I got out of college, I took about a year, got a couple more certifications. I'm, uh, I've got my CSCS. I've got my personal trainer. I've got my certified nutritionist. What's CSCS? Uh, certified strength and conditioning specialist. Okay. Um, and to get that, you actually have to have a degree in exercise science. Mm -hmm. So that is a very high level of certification to get. And I'm, that was actually one of the most proud certifications I got. Um, I'm currently trying to save up and work towards getting my master's in strength and conditioning and eventually my doctorate in strength and conditioning. But Bitch, don't tell me you're not smart. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> you're going for your master's and your PhD. Like, get, get the fuck out of here. You don't know my life, woman. <laughs> but uh, no, my thoughts are... Because I refuse to take steroids. And if people want to take steroids, that's their business. I don't really give a shit. Mm -hmm. It's not what I want to do, so I'm not going to do it. Mm -hmm. My thoughts are, if I am not going to win the world's strongest man, I'm sure as shit going to be the strongest doctor in the world. I like so, that. Right? That's the only reason I want to get my doctorate. I'm for that. I love that. <laughs> but, uh, no, I started my business, uh, Work Harder Fitness. And I started it. 
after coaching at my high school and getting more experience on how to handle different personality types and figuring out how to motivate different personality types, that, that is the most fun to me. Mm-hmm. But I started it. Most of my clients are high schoolers. I do have a few upper level athletes. I am never going to ask one of my athletes to do something I'm not willing to do myself. Mm-hmm. And I proved that to my high schoolers time and time again, because they'd be in the gym or they'd be out on the track or whatever, and they'd be horsing around or dicking the dog. And it just, it would piss me off, genuinely piss me off. And so I'd walk over and I'd start tearing into their ass and they'd be like, well, you're not going to do sprints. Bitch, get on the line. Let's do this. I will outrun you. Or you're not going to do the push-ups with me. Okay, let's do this shit. It makes me so mad when coaches or teachers or mentors in general are too high and mighty to get down in the dirt and do the shit that needs to be done. Yes. So that I just got done with my workout. One of my high schoolers was here. He's going to college for football. And he just got done with the Rona. So he's getting back into it and trying to get a feel for how things are again. And he was struggling. And I was, I just sat him down. I was like, dude, you haven't lifted in three weeks. Your body just went through some extreme shit. Give yourself a break, build it back up. Mm -hmm. And he's like, well, you just squatted four Oh five for a set of 10. I'm like, I know because I've been working at it. If I take a week off, there's no way in hell I'm doing 405 for 10. I'm doing 405 for six. And in my mind, that's how I rationalize it to people. If I'm willing to put in the work and bust my ass, you damn well should too. Yeah, I well, and I think there's so much to say about consistency. Like, I mean, in anything that you do, if you are... If you are, you know, lifting weights, if you are, uh, you know, pole dancing, if you are running yeah, anything, it doesn't matter what it is, but like you have to build up that consistency to be able to, to get better and to also maintain. Exactly. Um, and I, I think that's a struggle for a lot of people is, you know, they don't do it consistently enough to build up that, that muscle memory. Yeah. Um, and. and- yeah, That's I, the and a, one, oh, go ahead. Oh, um, the and so I mean, like that totally makes sense. Um, I think too that like it can be hard to to make the time for doing those types of activities. Um, because you know, especially like I I feel for like parents right now oh, who yeah. are like teacher and working from home and you know housework and also like trying to like spend time with their kids in a in a sincere loving way like i think that there's so much going on um so it's hard sometimes to justify and not feel selfish for for making that time for yourself yeah and the biggest complaint that there's two big complaints that i get from every one of my clients past present. And I guarantee you it's going to happen in the future is I don't have time. Mm -hmm. I don't have the determination or I don't have the motivation to do it. Mm -hmm. And I'm working almost 70 hours a week for my day job. 
And then I come home, I lift for two to three hours. I write workout plans. I plan out my next day. I eat dinner. I go to bed. I do that six to seven days a week. And so the, the time thing, I always call people out on that and it makes them mad, but make time. If it means something to you, make the time. Mm-hmm. And the motivation, every fucking day that I drive home, I tell myself, if I don't work out, nobody would know. Mm-hmm. But I would know. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't let that sit well with myself. Yeah, And it's, it's a 30 minute drive from my work to my house or my garage or where my gym is. And I have 30 minutes of contemplation every day driving home. I'm like, I don't want to do this. I, I hate this. I, I don't want to do it. I just want to sit on the couch. I'm done being strong. I hate this. And then I get home. I take my pre-workout. Let's get shit done. Mm-hmm. It. Yeah. I find it's that hard it's- to explain. Well, I think that it's very easy to talk yourself out of things. I mean, fuck, I've done it. Oh, yeah. It's like, I know I need to do this, but, and then I come up with all these excuses, and then I feel, you know, I feel guilty for not doing something, and it's like, what if I had just done it? I mean, that's kind of how I feel, like, I just uh, submitted my videos for my, you know, I was telling you early for my uh, floor work instructor certification. I should have done that fucking months ago, right. but I didn't. I just kept putting it off. It was always something. And it's like, now that I've got it done, it's like, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's that's one thing I tell all my clients that just want to get healthy or just want to lose weight or whatever. They're always like, well, it in America's society, everybody wants it now. They want the overnight pill. Yeah. And... I tell, as soon as they bring that up to me, they're like, well, it's been a week. Why am I not seeing results? Okay. Don't quit. The time is going to pass anyways. Mm -hmm. Where do you want to be when that time comes? And that usually resonates pretty well with people because I'm like, okay, you could stop now. In six months, we can try again, but you'll be to square negative three. Mm-hmm. Or you can continue in six months. You may only be on square four or five, but you're not negative. You're ahead of where you were today. Mm-hmm. And that that usually resonates pretty well. Um, so I want to circle back real quick. Um, you talked about how like, if you perform um, a certain way in a competition that you're not happy with, you'll like beat yourself up about it. How do you move beyond that? I redeem myself. If I, if I do bad in a competition, I dwell on it for too long. And then one day I just think, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to fix this. I come out to my garage, I get ready and I do the lift that I know I can do. Once I physically get past that mental barrier, it's done. It's over. It's in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, the deadlift that I did on July 3rd, um, there's a bar called the Mammoth Bar. A regular deadlift bar is seven feet. The Mammoth Bar is 10 feet. It's crazy long, super different. And the first time I tried to deadlift that bar in June of 2019, 
I'd never seen it before. I'd never heard of it before. I failed at 700. And to this day, it has eaten me, which it shouldn't because I did that 12 weeks after I got shingles. So I should have no qualms with a 700-pound deadlift that I failed without any training. At this show on July 3rd, it was the same bar, same deadlift. I deadlifted 750, actually 755. And I finally, after two years, could put that stupid fucking 700-pound deadlift behind me. And it was a great moment. I got done. It was the biggest deadlift of the day. And I just felt good. Mm-hmm. And it that was the first event of the day. It started my competition off great. And I loved it. Yeah. The second event sucked, but I didn't give a shit. <laughs> yeah. It's like you, you take your wins where you can get them. Exactly. And, you know, I think there's so much to be said about learning opportunities. So it's like, yeah, maybe I performed like shit. What can I do to make it better for next time? Yeah. And I think that's kind of the beauty of what you do is that you're, there's always a next time. Exactly. You know? I think that's great. Um, so I want you to to brag a little bit. Okay. Uh, tell us, give us some stats about like what you lift and what you press and all that good shit. So my bench press is horrible. My overhead press is horrible. Like I said, um, rebuilt shoulder. It, it's just a long story. Um, my overhead press is 335 my bench press i'm sorry i i'm laughing because i'm like (laughs) you're like oh it's terrible it's terrible and i'm like (laughs) the world record was just set at 215 kilos which is like 445 pounds so it's not very good i mean i I still think that's pretty goddamn good yeah Considering before I had shoulder surgery, I couldn't do over 240. So I agree completely. Um, my bench press is probably right about the same. Um, about three months ago, I did 315 for the first time in my life, which was phenomenal. It was a big goal of mine since I was in high school. Um, I can deadlift almost 800. I can squat 650, 675 ish. Um, My best Atlas stone, like I said, is 400 pounds. My best tire flip is 1,300 pounds. And yeah. Yeah. Oh, my best frame carry is 950 pounds. Frame carry, what's that? It's a box you stand in with handles on it. You grab and stand up and walk. Oh. It's horrible. And it's interesting, too, because, like, everything you're describing just sounds so, like, archaic. (laughs) Well, that's how Strongman started. It was drunk guys in a pub telling everybody, I can lift that rock heavier than you. I can lift that rock higher than you. That's how strength sports started, because I'm a student of my sport. I love learning the history of it. And one of my goals is to go over to Europe, to Western Europe and do all the manhood stones. I actually have a buddy who's been over there five or six times. He's currently over there right now. I believe he's in Sweden doing a round of manhood stones. What's that? And they're just rocks that famous rocks that people lifted hundreds of years ago that 
<laughs> Trust me, this is a very common reaction. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm not laughing because I think it's stupid. I'm just laughing because, like, it's just so fucking comical to me. Oh, yeah, it is. Like, I respect it. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> it's just but, so, it's interesting. Yeah. Some of these rocks that he's finding, I mean, he's literally working on a book about ancient manhood stones oh, because he is full of stones that haven't been lifted in five, six hundred years. And he just lifted one yesterday that was 516 pounds. It hasn't been touched since the 14th century. It literally, Jesus. they had to dig it out of the dirt on this ranch to lift it. That's insane. It's amazing. It's to me, it's the most genuine, pure form of strength is to lift a rock. It, it's just how it is. Oh, that's, it's wild. It's just so fucking <laughs> wild to me, honestly. Yeah. Uh, okay, so how uh, how many competitions have you won? Probably a dozen. And how many have you entered? Like a hundred. <laughs> okay. No, um, I've been competing since 2012. And I've won the Colorado State Championship five times. Um, I've gotten second in a bunch of competitions, third in a bunch of competitions. And... This one coming up in October is my first pro show, pro level show. So I'm the only non-pro competing. Wow. And it is very nerve-wracking to say the least, but I'm really looking forward to it because it's a great opportunity for me to grow. Yeah. And if I'm not a pro yet, I'm going to show them why I should be a pro. Mm-hmm. How do you get an opportunity to like mingle and talk to the other competitors? This is where it gets kind of tricky. You can, there's nothing against it. A lot of the strongman community is very tight, mm -hmm. but when you get to a certain level, everybody is arrogant and I hate arrogance. I mm -hmm. avoid it. I do the best I can to not be around it because I hate it to my core. And everybody just gets arrogant for some reason and thinks they're the next best shit since sliced bread. Mm -hmm. And I cannot stand that. So I personally keep myself away from it because I don't want them to fuck with my mental game. And that's what lifting is. It's 99% mental because if you think you can do it, you're going to do it. And so I personally don't, but I have a bunch of friends that are coming to my competition that know that if people start getting a certain way, they're kicked out. They're done. I don't give a shit. My show is a fundraiser and it's fun. We do it for fun. We do it so that people can learn. Yeah. And 99.9% .9 of us that compete in strongman, that's what it is. It's fun. We know we're not going to be pros. And there's no need to be a dick about it. Help each other. If somebody asks you a question, give them some advice. Mm -hmm. I, that's my perspective. Yeah. And 
my family knows if I ever start acting like them, they better knock me the fuck out because I am not like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, no. I mean, and just like, you know, we've we go back and forth on a lot of projects that we do. And yeah. it's like I always really appreciate your help. And, you know, Likewise. hopefully. Hope, thank you. <laughs> I'm just going to say, hopefully you appreciate mine as well. And I'm not just being a dick. No, um, not at all. <laughs> um, so I, I do have one more question. I know yeah. we're, we've gone a little bit long on time. Oh, that's um, okay. So I, I appreciate it. Um, but like I said, like, I, I just don't know a lot about this. Um, that's what uh, I'm here for. Uh, yeah, I appreciate it. Um, so it, women can compete in these competitions too, correct? You bet. Is... Are there different standards for men as opposed to women? Like, um, I'm thinking like the Olympics, they're typically like different things. Is that kind of like the same yes. uh, thing? Okay. Um, how how so? Mind you, I'm pretty sure there's some women in strong women that could kick my ass. And I there's nothing I could do about it because mm -hmm. they would physically overpower me and beat the shit out of me. But... There's weight classes. So I think in men's and women's, there's something like seven or eight different weight classes for men and women. So there's always different weights for different classes. For my show, I've got lightweight women. I've got middleweight women. I've got heavyweight women. I've got lightweight men, middleweight men, and super heavyweight men. And so every class has a different weight they have to do for each different event. And when you get to uh, like pro women's worlds is coming up here soon. And those women, they're amazing athletes. Like you look at some of them and you're like, okay, you know, I don't really see it. And then they start lifting. And you're like, holy shit. Like take my money. I want to watch you lift. <laughs> and same thing with the men. People look at me and they don't expect much, but I'm pretty fucking athletic for my size. And it actually catches people very off guard when I start being an athlete out of nowhere. Mm -hmm. But yeah, the women, I love watching the women lift because as long as they don't let their personal drama get between them, they compete like I want to see the men compete. They're all friends. They cheer each other on. It doesn't matter who it is. It doesn't matter where they're competing. They are friends. They will cheer each other on. And strongman is the only sport I have ever seen in my entire life where if someone's struggling to get a weight, people cheer harder. Mm -hmm. Usually in any other sport, if someone starts a lift and they can't get it and they set it down, people just, oh, boo, whatever. <clears throat> if you grab that weight and you try it again, it doesn't matter if you fail. You fucking put your best effort into it. And... That's admirable. Yeah. Everybody's going to appreciate that and love it. Mm -hmm. um, so that kind of sparked another question for me. Okay. And I don't uh, expect you to, to have the answer. Uh, it's more or less just a, a curiosity. Um, what do you know if there is a um, percentage of folks who are who fall outside of the man woman binary who are competing in strong person competitions. You know, I personally have never met anybody 
Mm-hmm. I'm sure there are some, uh, like the one that's competing in the Olympics, Laurel Hubbard from New Zealand. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, I personally don't know of any. It's not saying there aren't. I'm sure there are, and I've just never met them. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I mean, it's not frowned upon. Mm-hmm. And it depends on the sanctioning, what rules there are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, uh, I, I'm i often curious about that, you know, with uh, with us evolving as far as gender is concerned. Um and so I'm always curious, like how sports in particular are going to handle that transition. Yeah. Is it something where we are able to have um, co-ed? Yeah. Like like co-ed sports. Um, and I don't know enough about it to know what goes into it, you know? And there um, are certain competitions where it's a co-ed event. I got invited to one here in August that I'm not going to be able to go to, but it is a team event you have you have to have a man and a woman or a combination of the two and it's a two-day show with seven different events that cater to different people's strengths and i would love to go i think it would be a blast but it's gonna be hard as shit Mm -hmm. and that is one of the benefits sometimes about living where i do i do this by myself I've always done it by myself. And when I'm in here working out, like I said, I'm by myself. There's nobody here to help me. And I don't have a partner to do it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But yeah, I could totally see that happening. Uh, I I would offer my services, but I feel like you would just be very frustrated with me. Like, God damn it, get it together. (laughs) Or I'd be like laughing out of nervousness and you'd be like, stop it. (laughs) At this last show that I did, because it was the 4th of July, I told myself I didn't care if I won, I lost, I didn't give a shit. I was showing up the loudest American that I could. I showed up wearing American flag socks, knee-high socks, uh, ranger panties, my little silky shorts that only were at like a half-inch inseam. I had an Uncle Sam t-shirt on that was American flag and said USA number one on the back. I I had one of those douchebag rolled-up cowboy hats that people wear at a country jam. That was an American <laughs> flag. Um, I was just the loudest person I could be. And... It was fun. <laughs> and that I enjoyed that show more than I have ever since I started competing. For one, because I didn't give a shit if I won or lost. Mm-hmm. But for two, it was fun. The people yeah. were fun. I was making fun of people. They were making fun of me. It was a great time. Yeah. And that's the type of competition I want to stick with. Yeah, I love that. Um, well, I don't want to keep you for too much longer. Uh, I do appreciate you coming on. I hope that someday I'll be able to come see one of your shows. I um, hope so. Because I'm so fucking curious about <laughs> this entire world. Like, And I, I feel like I'll just be like in utter stunned amazement the oh, entire yeah. time. Yeah, most people are. It's quite comical seeing the look on their face when a 6'9 person walks by and it's just average. <laughs> I can't even imagine. I'm like, 
Um, but I appreciate you coming on so much. Please tell us where can we find you? Well, thank you very much for having me. Um, you can find me on Instagram or on Facebook at uh, Greg Oroz Strongman or on Instagram at CO Strongman. And uh, my business is Work Harder Fit on Facebook and on Instagram. And I am currently working on a YouTube channel. So that will hopefully be up soon. That's so exciting. I'm so excited for you. I always look forward to like what you're going to be doing next <laughs> and seeing your crazy workouts and just fucking nonsense. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what it is. It's fucking nonsense. <laughs> uh, but thank you so much. I appreciate you sharing your wealth of knowledge with us. Yeah, thank you for having me. I look forward to coming back. Of course. listening to empowered authenticity the podcast please make sure you rate review and subscribe on apple podcasts spotify or wherever you get your podcasts if you like more content from empowered authenticity make sure to follow on instagram at empowered underscore authenticity we'll see you next week do you feel stuck and unmotivated want to create your dream life but don't know where to begin if you're interested in improving your relationships, communication skills, or feeling more comfortable in your skin, I can help. Together we can determine what's holding you back from living your best life and help to quiet that negative Nancy residing in your head. If you've been interested in working with a coach who is optimistic and authentic and empowers you to be as well, then schedule your free 30-minute chemistry session today by going to empoweredauthenticity.net. Again, that's empoweredauthenticity.net net.